just want to add to this that, you know, it's interesting, you know, doulas and midwives that we're having to um, do a lot of education around that now when that was a very center part of our culture as black folks. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we're reclaiming that. Yeah. Um, so this isn't anything new or foreign. Right. It is a part of our culture and midwives were pushed out uh, yes. of, you know, the whole medical you know, infrastructure. Absolutely. And there's such a great support. And it's a part of who we've been as a people, as black women, and people still in other parts of the world, you know, that's that's still very much a staple, right? Hi, you're listening to Coffee Con, conversations with, for, and by black women. Sponsored by the Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable. Um, more than ever, the COVID crisis has really exposed the brutal economic uh, realities that uh, women have been facing, low-paid women and women workers, but also um, Black women. And, um, and that we are on the front lines of this crisis. And I had an opportunity to really uh, focus in on the economic realities of that, that it's oftentimes, you know, women, uh, we are those essential workers and we are the workers who are the cashiers, right? Uh, we are the childcare um, workers. Uh, we are um, the warehouse workers, the nurses, the store clerks, uh, the bus drivers, like we are at the front lines of that and yet we get the lowest pay and that um, and during this time more than ever we have seen how the unemployment rate has skyrocketed or have people just don't have the savings or the cash in order to fill the gaps during the midst of a crisis and that has really shown um, even more during this pandemic and 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 the other things that i brought up is that if we say that we care about the workforce in mississippi then we must look at who that workforce is and in mississippi um nearly um when we talk about who's in the workforce women make up 48 percent of the workforce but we're 67 percent of the frontline workers that's pretty significant and those frontline workers are, are not getting paid at the same rate. And so I talked about how we've got to level the playing field, how equal pay is a part of that. And you all know um, through our Women's Economic Security Initiative that we have been really over the last five years, and many of you all have been a part of that conversation um, and been a part of the organizing to get an equal pay law on the books and to make sure that businesses and people like the Economic Council are behind us and pushing this issue so that our workers, our women workers can get paid. But we also talked about those women workers are also pregnant workers. And we have also been pushing for pregnant, the Mississippi um, uh, Pregnant Workers Fairness Act to ensure that women who are working, uh, who, who are on those front lines, also have the necessary protections that they need to deliver a healthy baby, but also so that they can um, uh, be healthy as well. We know, and Rangora will absolutely talk about the high rates 
of um, black maternal health in Mississippi. And there are simple things that a job or businesses, a business can do. Um, give women the, the necessary accommodations, um, which is frequent water breaks, a stool, a chair to sit in, changing her responsibilities at work. If she's working with chemicals and cleaning, she doesn't do that um, until she, um, she we ch they change her job description and her position. And so those are the, some of the things that we that I talked about during this conversation. I was the only woman um, on the panel, the black woman, and really brought that perspective of the intersections of between race, gender, and economic justice and how we want healthy moms, um, healthy babies, and we deserve fairness and our pay and to deliver a pay, um, an equal pay law in the state of Mississippi. And so we want to continue to have you join our conversations, join our advocacy work around those two very important things, because even more, uh, women need the wages in order to take care of their families. And this is these are women from the low-wage jobs all the way up to the higher-paying jobs. And it just doesn't matter what your education level is. It doesn't matter what your occupation is. You still are being shortchanged in your wages. And that is not fair. Um, and we must have our wages so that we can take care of our families, particularly given that Black women um, and women are the sole breadwinners or the co-breadwinners of our family. So continue to follow us and join our efforts as we push for these important policies to make sure that women are economically secure.
Thank you so much for that, Monica. And we are partnering next weekend for a canvassing effort. So if you know someone, this is no contact canvassing. So we're just going to be hanging some reminders on doorknobs and things like that. If you are interested or you know some folks who are interested uh, in helping us canvass in some areas in Jackson that we know have low count right now, um, please reach out to us, um, msbwr.org. Um, and we'll be sure to get you all the information that you need in order to help volunteer for next weekend. So thank you so much for that, Monica, and One Voice for being such a strong partner with us as we try our best to make sure that our communities are counted so that they can have the resources that we know they need. Um, so now for um, amazing conversation with Wingora Thompson, um, just to give you all a little bit of feedback about myself, I'm a sister, which a lot of black women carry that title. And, um, you know, recently my sister just had a nephew and that has been uh, uh, a bit of a black maternal crisis for us in navigating that. He was born with a congenital heart defect. Um, and so this conversation is very near and dear to my heart as a sister, as someone who has just been there supporting and advocating and helping to get quality care for my nephew. And I know that there are so many other black women, especially in the state of Mississippi, who have been in that predicament or have been in a similar predicament where they are having to fiercely advocate um, for either their life or the life of their baby. So this conversation is really important to me, just like also on a personal level and making sure that as black women, we have the information we need to be those fierce advocates uh, for, for the women in our community. So I am so excited to invite Wingora on today to talk a little bit about what she does um, and why this issue is important to her um, and talk to her you all a little bit about her career trajectory and what she does at the Mississippi Public Health Institute. So, Wingora Thompson. Well, thank you so much. That was a very, very warm welcome. I will note, I finished my census. Uh, I, I completed it probably a few months ago now. So, oh, that was, that's a check for me. And I've been encouraging folks as time goes on to complete it as well. Uh, but nonetheless, I want to thank you all uh, at the Mississippi uh, Black Women's Roundtable for the invitation uh, to your coffee con event and to really even host this conversation. Uh, it is very important, as you just mentioned, and I hope to give as much thought and, and information as possible today. Um, I am the project manager for the Jackson Safer Childbirth Experience. Uh, Jackson is one of 10 cities across the U.S. who receive funds from Merck for Mothers, and in our case, the Kellogg Foundation, uh, to address maternal mortality, specifically in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, prior to that, I was the Director of Maternal and Child Health and Government Affairs for the March of Dimes here in Mississippi. And so the last five, six years that I've been uh, back home, um, my time has been spent professionally uh, advocating for better birth outcomes in the state and maternal health outcomes as well. Great. So um, I've already talked a little bit about why we felt like this conversation is important and just, you know, uplifting those issues that impact Black women in our communities. Um, but from your perspective, what are, what are some of the most pressing issues facing black expected mothers in Mississippi communities? I would note a few things. Um, 
generally, Mississippi has yet to fully create a culture of health um, and a policy culture that really supports women's health, specifically Black women's health. And so uh, our health isn't prioritized, if you will, uh, in the policy culture and culture of health in the state. Um, and so a few things, a few of the pressing issues, rather, that that are facing Black expectant uh, folks in Mississippi. So one, unbalanced prenatal care experiences. What do I mean by that? Um, currently, in, especially in the midst of COVID-19, uh, prenatal care, care visits are um, short. They are most time, the, the time you spend with the provider is maybe 10 to 15 minutes max and you're getting labs done and then that's it for your visit uh, with the provider. And that, that's really created by a perfect storm of um, providers seeing a ton of patients a day, having to log a lot of information on each one, but also making sure they're answering everybody's questions. So providers being hurried and taxed, uh, as well as medicine's existing power dynamics, uh, create a perfect storm, as I mentioned, for less than optimal prenatal care experiences. And so folks don't often get the chance to ask questions or don't come with questions. Therefore, they don't get to maximize the prenatal care uh, experience. And if you pair that with um, the issue of having access to healthcare providers, some women are traveling, especially in our rural areas, 30 minutes, an hour, maybe even an hour, an hour and a half to see a specialist uh, or their OBGYN. Um, according to the March of Dimes 2018 Nowhere to Go report, uh, which really delved into maternity care deserts, uh, it found that nearly 50% of counties in the state of Mississippi are con considered maternity care deserts, which are counties uh, without a hospital offering obstetric care uh, and without any obstetric providers. And so living in rural areas uh, does place many as Mississippi is mostly a rural state at a disadvantage. Um, misinformation, especially That's during this pandemic, <laughs> um, it is a pressing issue. Um, so unfortunately, COVID-19 has compounded confusion regarding things like the safety of breastfeeding, what room in practices are happening, who can accompany you to visits and your delivery. Um, not knowing what you don't know, right? So if, you're, if you may not be seeking information, you're not knowing like what to expect or what to get ready for or what could happen, right? Um, also, misinformation about like contracting COVID-19 in the hospital. That's not the case, right? So uh, we're hearing folks are very scared to go to a hospital or maybe in some cases go to the doctor's office because of fear that they would contract the virus. Um, and so just really working against misinformation. Um, lack of continuous healthcare coverage is also a pressing issue. Medicaid covers about 65% of the state's deliveries and about 50, close to 50% of women in the state are not covered through their employer. So they don't have insurance coverage through their employer. Um, therefore, let's say I have hypertension 
And in the near future, I want to have a baby. Um, but I don't have insurance through my provider. Granted, I would get it through uh, Medicaid. I would be eligible for it. However, up until now, my hypertension has gone intact. And so that's going to further complicate my pregnancy outcome. So it's, and then even in the postpartum period, and we'll talk a bit more about this later, but in the postpartum period, it's important to have insurance coverage then because if something happens to me 60 days, post 60 days after I've delivered my baby and I was publicly insured, what happens to me? I don't have any insurance coverage. I could go to the ER to get care, but I also need to see a general practitioner or a specialist, and those kinds of things wouldn't be covered. And then lastly, I'll note, um, reiterating what Cassandra shared uh, during her, her bit earlier, um, there is a lack of workplace protections and programs that ensure women's health uh, is a priority. Black women's health is a priority in the state. Um, I believe I just saw a headline earlier where um, Senator Warren uh, was leading uh, uh, an initiative to find out, you know, during COVID-19, what workplace protections are there for uh, folks in manufacturing and retail. And they're finding that, you know, there's a lot of, again, misinformation about what benefits rather folks have and what they don't have. And people feeling either threatened or, you know, not empowered uh, to have, they don't have breaks or, you know, the things that they need in order to have a safe working environment. And so the same for Black pregnant people in Mississippi, um, if you're working manufacturing, if you're working in, in retail and, and other frontline jobs, as Cassandra mentioned, we, these women are breadwinners, they're still contributing to society, but need, I need a place to sit down because I can't be on my feet throughout this entire pregnancy. I need the opportunity to have more than a handful of uh, breaks for if it's the bathroom or just an opportunity to, to take some rest um, while on my shift and other things that I might need to accommodate me in a healthy fashion during my mm -hmm. pregnancy. And that makes me, when you talk about some of the issues um, facing Black women in Mississippi with maternal health, it kind of, mm -hmm. it definitely makes me think about my sister's story because she went on bed rest probably at month seven and a half, eight. And, you know, for women who are working in retail jobs who have to go on bed rest, how is that affecting your ability to be able to provide for your family? Absolutely. So there are all of those different nuances that luckily she had an employer who had different standards. Right. Um, but for those employers who don't, who just follow the standards set by the state of Mississippi, um, what happens to those mothers when you have to go on bed rest at seven months and you work a retail job and you're the breadwinner for your family? Right. So all of those sort of issues intersect for black women because they're more likely to be the breadwinners of our families, but also more likely to be in low wage jobs and also child rearing. So how do all of those things impact our ability to be able to, like you said, show up at our doctor's appointment with enough time to talk about the things that are impacting or the things that we're experiencing and all of those different things. So, so much of what you said, when I hear the anecdotal stories from black women who maybe something was missed, that could have been caught in a visit during their prenatal care, or maybe they delivered pretty time because I have to work. Um, so all of those different nuances that black women experience, but 
what would you say is the best way that we can begin to advocate for women both through policy and just within community um, who may be navigating the current um, hospital system or healthcare system in the state? I definitely want to take this question a, a bit broader, but okay. I, I'm thankful that we're asking it. Um, mm -hmm. There are things I believe that need to occur, not only in healthcare, but also communities uh, to ensure better outcomes. Um, of note, and we'll talk again more about this later, two thirds of maternal deaths occur outside the hospital. And that's after baby and mama have been discharged mm -hmm. and are at home. So we'll talk about some things to, to look out for. Um, but to prepare for the best, here, here are a few things that need to happen. Um, sharing the benefits of birth support workers with black mothers. Mm -hmm. So having a doula, having, if it's possible, a midwife, or having somebody to walk with you through this experience to ensure that you're asking the questions that you need to ask, um, that you're supported. Um, and that you're getting to know your healthcare team. Um, also advocating for, so self-advocacy. Mm. Um, so again, once you've connected with your support group and you're getting the questions you need to ask, so on and so forth, taking that with you into your healthcare visits. Um, and that's even the simplest questions. They don't have to be complex. You know, is my baby growing, you know, to size? You know, what can I do to begin preparing for breastfeeding? Um, you know, what tools are out there? What information's out there? Um, and getting to know your doctors and your nurses and expressing and being so expressing that you might be a little fearful, right? As uh, the conversation about black maternal mortality and morbidity has gained traction over the last few years, unfortunately, there's also this um, growing fear, rightfully so of being in hospitals and uh, experiencing adverse things. Um, but get, so getting to know your doctor and your nurses and so on and so forth, those who might be a part of your delivery team. And then ensuring transportation, whether that's from a city perspective, you know, if a city's providing transportation for pregnant folks to work and to their doctor's visits. And I mean, this is a, a side note, but uh, I want to be able to soon look at um, in the city of Jackson, you know, where do folks of reproductive age live and what does that look like in relation to their doctor's offices and mm. what does transportation look like? Who has access to that and, and how can that impact um, the amount of time that's spent for them, you know, getting to and from doctor's offices? Um, advocacy then on a, on a national level uh, would look like getting um, involved with and uh, supporting the Mommy Bus Act. Um, and so Congresswoman Alma Adams, uh, Congresswoman uh, Lauren Underwood, Senator Kamala Harris, and many others, um, including the Black Maternal Health Caucus, uh, are supporting this act. And a few of the things that it involves is making critical investments in the social determinants of health, so transportation, housing, and nutrition, uh, making sure that community-based organizations get the funds that they need to sustain and continue work um, and deepen their, deepen their work. Um, investing in women veterans, mm. making investments there. I think often they go overlooked. Um, also grow, growing and diversifying the perinatal health workforce. So making way for more, yes, more black doctors, 
more um, black doulas, more black midwives. Um, we're encouraged by um, Jenny Joseph and her work in Florida and establishing the, the nation's first uh, black midwifery training program, excited for that. And so wanting to see more of those things uh, across the nation um, so that we diversify the perinatal workforce. Um, improving data collection processes and quality measures to better understand the maternal health crisis in, in the U.S. Um, and inform solutions to address it. Positively, Mississippi does have a maternal mortality review committee. And so that's something we can check off and say we're doing here. We're evaluating maternal deaths to see what can we do to contribute to better outcomes. Um, and then the last few uh, items in this bill in the Monibus Act are improving maternal health care uh, support for incarcer incarcerated women. Very important to ensure that, Absolutely. you know, we don't have shackling policies for delivery here in the state, um, that women can get, that incarcerated women can travel to there and get prenatal care visits. Um, invest in digital tools like telehealth to improve maternal health uh, outcomes, especially in rural areas. Um, and promoting innovative payment models to incentivize high quality maternity care and co continuity. So we talked about that extension of postpartum care coverage. Um, so beyond those 60 days. These are some of the things that the Momnibus uh, Act uh, includes on a national level. So beyond that, moving, coming down to the state level, there's been work, there's advocacy happening. So you have the Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable that's advocating for workplace protections for pregnant women, women in general. And then you have the American Academy of Pediatrics, the Mississippi chapter. They are have been using their voices on behalf of women's health in the state. They're in support of uh, extending uh, Medicaid coverage postpartum here in the state and have been working with the State Medical Association to advocate for that as well. Um, the March of Dimes is another organization in the state that is doing advocacy for uh, better maternal health policies. Um, and so I mentioned we have a maternal mortality review committee. We also have a perinatal quality collaborative. Uh, which is led by Dr. Charlene Collier of the State Department of Health, who's also an OBGYN and professor at the University of Mississippi a Medical Center. Um, and the, the Perinatal Quality Collaborative, what they do is ensure that hospitals are fully equipped and trained to respond to those emergency situations in regards to maternal uh, and, and specifically delivery. So if mom hemorrhages, if she's, you know, if during delivery and she's hemorrhaging, how teams are getting ready to address that. Um, also implementing things like the neonatal golden hour. So having that time where uh, skin to skin is happening and breastfeeding is being initiated in that first hour post delivery. Um, and we also lastly uh, have baby friendly initiatives uh, in the state that groups like Blue Cross Blue Shield have spearheaded and, and funded that ensure uh, hospitals are um, making early entry to, to breastfeeding easier for families and are providing them with the resources to do so. So those are a few things I'll mention about advocacy and things that are happening mm -hmm. um, that we can latch onto and be a part of raising our voices on behalf of. Absolutely. Uh, one of the pieces of legislation around extending Medicaid postpartum 
of that came up last session is something that we 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 worked diligently on and unfortunately it didn't pass but legislation like that is a huge part of of supporting maternal health care in the state yeah. um, and especially for black women because it's like you said it's not just about you know what happens up until you have the baby also after that we be, begin to talk about postpartum yeah. Um, and, and supporting bl black women in that as well um, mm -hmm. which is also something that we face disproportionately in our communities um, and that kind of leads to the question of what are the ways that as black women as sisters as aunties yeah. uh, in our community how can we be supportive of, of mothers who uh, like recommending doulas or recommending midwives or recommending those advocates to them to help to create this community amongst ourselves um, where we're being supportive of black mothers and, and their needs um, and helping to communicate accurate information to them like you were saying before. Absolutely. I mean, you pointed out a few of them. Getting, I consider it like getting back to the basics, right? We getting back to a place where yes, women are working and you know, pregnant folks are working and, and contributing and all of that, but, but taking the time to get back to rallying around them. And that means cooking meals, ensuring that they're eating and they're being fed, um, joining them in relaxation and ensuring that they're taking time uh, for themselves. If it's, you know, helping clean up around the house, pick up things, offering time, you know, offering time for them to get off their feet and rest and relax. And that's, that includes like childcare, temporary childcare. Hey, I'll take the kids for some time for you to, you know, tonight you'll have a quiet house. Right. Um, you mentioned having notifying them. Hey, you should think about getting a, a birth support person. That's a doula or somebody else who can, again, walk with them through pregnancy, make sure that they're asking the right questions and they're, that they're getting ready for a great delivery experience. Um, I'll also mention I'll also mention intention and support. And so this is digging a, a little bit deeper uh, mental health check ins and referrals. Um, if it's, you know, if you feel a pregnant person that you know post-delivery um, may be a little more depressed than usual, right, and they, they can't seem to come up out of that, they, they might need to see a provider and, and, and or talk to a mental health professional. Um, also not turning a blind eye to pregnant folks in abusive or, and or unhealthy relationships um, and networks. Um, homicide. Is, was one of the top uh, leading causes of, or contributors rather, to maternal death in Mississippi um, between 2013 and 2016. And so just ensuring that, again, pregnant folks are in safe spaces and that their networks and friends are safe for them. Um, and then also on that list was drug overdoses. So again, we're talk, talking top five. The top is cardiovascular disease and its contributors. And we'll, get into that. Um, but suicides and overdoses accounted for 11% of all maternal deaths in the state between 2013 and 2016. So really, you know, going a bit deeper and, and talking about relationships and network and friendships and, and how healthy they can be for you. And I think that's a, a very interesting intersection um, as we talk about some of the things that impact black mothers um domestic violence wasn't one of those things that was top of mind for me but when you say that it is a huge part of environment and making sure that you're in a safe environment for both baby and mother 
Yes. Um, so Coalition for Domestic Violence, I know there's a lot of work on that and also one of our, our good partners. So shout out to them for the work that they do. Yes. And, and can I add that sure, some, some new things to also try? Um, so moving a little bit beyond is seeking a different doctor than your mom or aunt. I think oftentimes we get our referrals for a doctor, which that's a good thing. Referrals are good. But sometimes we need to think about who, what healthcare team is the best fit for me, right? Um, do I feel like I'm, I'm this particular doctor or nurse um, or whoever else is listening to me? You know, are they answering my questions? Um, do I feel safe here? Um, and then also talking about birth doulas, having that extra support. And verifying information. We talked a bit about misinformation earlier. So verifying information. Um, pregnancy is a place full of power, a place full of resilience and, and strength. Um, but it's also one that's full of vulnerabilities. And um, so just like with the pandemic, uh, misinformation is spread, especially using, exploiting rather folks' vulnerabilities. Um, and so when you see, when, when pregnant folks are seeing something or you're seeing something on social media, Make sure that you're verifying the source and that you're seeking info from groups who actually research, uh, who work in this field um, and publish information on it. So groups like the Black Women's Health Imperative, uh, they are a source of information. The American Academy of Pediatrics and um, the American Congress of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Um, there's the American Women. Women's Health Nurses Association, AWAN, they provide information as well, um, specific to pregnancy. The fourth trimester project and the March of Dimes are also consumer-friendly uh, sources of, of information. So I wanted to mention that because oftentimes, you know, misinformation- That's very important. <laughs> it very is very important. important. Yeah. 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 Um, so I wanted to also give space for folks who have questions. Yes. Um, and Cassandra, also, if you would like to chime in on any of this, feel free to join in. But if you have any questions for Wingora specifically about any of the things we're talking about around policy or around support for Black maternal mothers, feel free to pop those questions in the chat. Um, and also, uh, if you're on Zoom, you can pop those in the chat on Zoom, or if you're on Facebook, you can pop them in the comments. Um, but Cassandra, did you have any other things that you wanted to add or questions for Ringora? I just wanted to say, I think it's important for us um, to, one of the things that the Black Women's Roundtable um, is doing in, in partnership. Um, and well, before I say that, um, I think one of we were able to do this advocacy work in coalition, you know, with other people like Wingora, um, um, like Nikitra Burst. Um, and one of the things that Nikitra did, because it's important to ground this in stories, is that she um, um, has a documentary called Laboring of Hope, I believe that's the name of it. Laboring with Hope. Mm -hmm. Laboring with Hope. Mm -hmm. And it's so phenomenal as it really walks you through and, you know, um, what the experiences are of these, you know, women yeah. and the impact and that the emotional, the physical impact it has on um, the family members um, and those who are really experiencing it. And I really would like to, um, so I say that 
having the stories being told is so important because many times when we go to do the advocacy work, um, if there's no realities there, then oftentimes, you know, our lawmakers can really turn a blind, blind eye. Absolutely. And so Nikitra's um, um, documentary was so important. I talk about it all yes. the time and helping to elevate the issue even more. Yes. Um, and so we in partnership um, are also um, wanting to ground this because we're going to come back in coalition together to push for, you know, the Mississippi um, Fairness uh, Workers Act. We're going to come back and do that and also work in coalition to push for that 12 months postpartum. And so we need we need your stories. We need to hear from you. So we want to encourage you to um, contact us if you're willing to share your story. Um, if it's not you, somebody in your family, right? And, and how that's impacted because we need to be able to have your voice in it at, to elevate the issue. So we wanna encourage you to contact us so that we can um, have you share your narrative. So the narrative, narrative, narratives are important to changing everything. Um, and so for us, we don't do this work just in a policy space. We make sure that we're connecting back to the people. Um, that's so important. Um, and you, cause you're a part of that change. So I wanna encourage you, if you have a story, know someone who does, please contact us. Even right now, if you're a frontline worker and you're experiencing, you know, some issues um, and you don't know what your rights are, we know some people who can help you in that. So that's really important. Absolutely. Um, and I think the storytelling part of it gives us the opportunity to really center Black women, um, to center Black women in their experiences. Um, because so many things that well, when Gora talked about today, when she talked about unbalanced care visits, as a black woman, I've experienced that myself going to a doctor and it's, they have a lot of people and it's very rushed and you don't get to see the doctor for long. And I wasn't expecting, but all of those things that impact quality of care, when you talk about them in a, in a narrative way, black women don't often understand that those experiences are part of a systemic thing. This is impacting our outcomes. And as we become more informed and we start to tell our stories and start to find those connection points, then we can identify those systemic ailments and we can better speak to be able to shift those things in a policy way. Um, so that anecdotal data, that narrative data is so is it, equally important as all of the other things that we're doing, because like Cassandra said, that is going to be the hearts and minds part of the work. Um, so if you, the uh, email address is the same in the chat. Um, if you're open to sharing your story, if you know a black woman in Mississippi who, who has uh, experienced a black maternal health crisis, that is a huge tool for us um, in empowering you to share so that we can begin to move the needle forward uh, for black mothers and babies in Mississippi. Um, so I'm watching the comment section in chat for any questions. Oh, I see some amazing people sharing their contact information. Um, about sharing their story, so we would love to hear that. Um, I guess I would have another question for Wingora as far as um, you named a couple of places that folks can reach out to for um, 
assistance midwives or doulas um could you give that information about how people could get connected to finding out if they uh if that's a resource that they would like to use sure so i, I mentioned the jackson safer childbirth experience i'm project manager for that and people can get in touch with me if they would like a doula if they're in the city of jackson they are a black birthing person would like a doula um we can potentially get them set up with that will and get uh, get them set up with that. Also, um, Cassandra mentioned uh, Dr. Nikita Burst. Her and an, another team of folks uh, were recently awarded funds that um, would allow them to launch the Mississippi ACE project. And so they'll be increasing access to, to doula support services as well right. um, in the central Mississippi area. There are networks of doulas across this state. Um, and so if even if you're not in central Mississippi, um, up to North Mississippi, South Mississippi, there are doulas across um, the state that are ready and willing to support you. Um, I know specifically there's midwife Tony Hill in the Tupelo area who has been, even throughout this pandemic, helping uh, deliver babies uh, to and fro. <laughs> and so, you know, should you want a, a midwife who can assist you in your experience, um, you will pay for it, but it's worth it. Um, it is worth it if you can uh, tap our services. And I, I'll make a, a brief note, you know, midwives are primarily for moms who are low risk, uh, have low risk pregnancies. Um, and so if, you know, if you think you might or have been evaluated and fit that bill, a midwife is a great option for you. Um, I'll also mention Sisters in Birth. That's led by Getty Israel. Um, she is also providing many support services uh, to the pregnant folks that she's serving. So they're doing prenatal edu uh, education, but also pre prenatal yoga. Um, and, and they're doing nutrition. They're doing a lot of great things to ensure the best outcomes uh, in pregnancy there as well. So there are a few, you know, reach out, ask somebody, ask the Black Women's uh, Roundtable, and we can get you connected to uh, some folks. Absolutely. Cassandra's definitely going to find somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we do have a question, though. Um, somebody asked, which is a really good question, what is a doula? What exactly is a doula? How can they support you? <laughs> yes. So um, a doula is a person that um, they're a support person throughout pregnancy. And how they offer support is, one, through information. Um, so, you know, they might follow up with you after prenatal visit to talk about um, what you might have discussed. Uh, they'll provide you with, uh, you know, going through the breastfeeding process, what that looks like and how to get ready for it. Um, they're present at delivery. So they'll prepare you for, let's say you want to have a, a vaginal delivery, or maybe you'll have to have a C-section. They're there to be present um, at those events and provide comfort measures. Uh, positioning to make sure that you have the best outcome possible. And they're also present uh, in the postpartum period to keep an eye out on you, provide a few visits, make sure that you and baby are progressing appropriately um, and being a source of contact and support. I just want to add to this that, you know, it's interesting, you know, doulas and midwives that we're having to, um, do a lot of education around that now when that was a very center part of our culture as black folks, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we're reclaiming that. Yeah. Um, so this isn't anything new. 
or foreign, right? It is a part of our culture and midwives were pushed out uh, of, you know, the whole medical, you know, infrastructure. Absolutely. And there's such a great support. And it's a part of who we've been as a people, as black women and people still in other parts of the world, you know, that's, that's still very much a staple, right? Um, And so this is us reclaiming that, doing the education for, you know, for some of us who don't know about that, reclaiming our history as black people um, and making sure that those infrastructures are put back together. Um, We don't have babies by ourselves. There's a community that comes around and supports us. You know, and, and and again, we had to have those things, particularly when, you know, the hospitals were not receiving black women. Absolutely. And then, you know, and so now we're talking about racial equity, right? right. <laughs> yes. Let's be real clear about what we're talking about, you know, yes. and, and discrimination and how, um, you know, we would die in childbirth, right? Because we weren't given the same level of care. We couldn't even go to the hospitals. And so we've had midwives for since we landed on this care continent, right? right? <laughs> and so this isn't new, but no. we're having to reclaim that for our people mm-hmm. and for our households and for our community because they help us deliver safely, you know. Yes. Yes, and yes, so yes. I just wanted to to center that and just t- and just make sure that um, we we really ground that in the historical context, you know, particularly when you're talking about the sterilizations that happen, eugenics that occurred, you know, all of those things that happened to Black women, um, midwives were essential to making sure that we had healthy babies and that we were healthy as well. So I just wanted to... Thank you. Thank you, Cassandra. And to be told, as you were talking, another note that came to mind, because oftentimes... This is a point of confusion. Doulas do not deliver babies. They are there to support you, though, in that journey. Midwives do. Midwives deliver babies, but doulas do not. So I just want to make that distinction. Yeah, that was wonderful, Cassandra, because that is that that is true. We've all we we've sort of historically used the community model. Mm-hmm. So how do we yeah. go back to that community model of support? for expecting mothers in our community. And yeah. what does that look like for us as a community? And also what does that look like policy-wise? And and I think that's that that's perfect after the conversation. Um, I'm searching for, just to make sure we don't have any questions before we close. Okay, we're good. And I just wanted to add one thing. One okay. of the things that the Black Women's Roundtable have, um, and how we've been supporting Wangora's um, yes. mamas and, you know, others out there, um, Lyft has been generous in giving the Black Women's Roundtable um, transportation vouchers. So uh, if there's a mom out there, pregnant mom, that need to go to the doctor, um, please, you know, we want to come alongside you and provide you with those um, transportation vouchers. So you can, again, our contact information is right here. info at msblackwomensroundtable.org and we want to um, provide that needed support um, to you. Also, we have um, a limited amount of access to childcare dollars. So again, we learned through this process, you know, when Gore talked about uh, because we're in COVID, you can't bring your other children with you. 
right. um, to the hospitals. And so we have some childcare dollars um, for you. If you know you got to go to the doctor, you need someone to watch your child. And we have a network of childcare centers around the state that we can work with to, to you know, so your child can be at a safe place while you go to the doctor. And so just wanted to let you know, we're, you know, trying to provide some of those wraparound services to make sure that you're not stressed out. You can get to where you're trying to go, even if it's the grocery store run, you know, um, we can provide some support there too. Absolutely. And, and you can hear from the folks that when Gora, when Gora mentioned and Cassandra mentioned that we try our best, even if we don't, to connect you with some resources for folks who do. So as you know, people who need those resources, of course, I've posted the information in the in the chat and also on Facebook. Um, feel free to reach out to us. Um, and, and we have a coalition of folks. So if we can't help, then we can point you to some folks who have some, some resources or some information. Um, so thank you so much, Wingora, for being here with us today and giving My us pleasure. amazing information, not only about what you're doing, um, to to address this issue here in Mississippi, but just amazing information for us as Black women to better support the women in our communities. I think Monica had something she wanted to close us. Uh, I think not on census. I'm back. I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm looking at I'm looking on the computer and on my phone. So. <laughs> Um, but yes, yeah, just an announcement again. Today is our last day for the phone banking that we partner with Breckman Roundtable with. Uh, and for the month of July, uh, we had a little movement with that. Uh, also, keep in mind that we are looking for volunteers uh, partnering with the Black Moon Roundtable as well for next weekend when we get ready to do the no contact census uh, canvassing. So we'll be going into the low response areas here in the city of Jackson and just hanging the uh, door knockers on the doors, uh, trying not to come in contact. We are practicing our social distance uh, with this pandemic. But once again, uh, reach out to, to Black Women Roundtable if you want to volunteer. We're kicking it off next week. And once again, thank y'all for having us. Yes, absolutely. Thank you to our partners at One Voice for helping us in that effort. Um, please uh, encourage the folks in your community to fill out the census. Um, and we'll be around Jackson. You might see us with our canvassers, our young canvassers um, out there making sure that folks are getting registered to vote, which is also huge, and completing their census. Um, so thank you all for joining our coffee con. That was like perfect. It is one o'clock. So I will give you all your lunchtime back. Thank you for joining our coffee con. Um, if you haven't already subscribed to our email list, please go to msblackwomensroundtable.org to subscribe so you can know when we have these virtual sessions going on. Um, next month, we have some amazing programming around Black Women's Day. Um, where we will be doing some digital outreach, but also another virtual town hall where we'll be talking about pay equity. Um, we talked a little bit about it today and how it intersects with pregnant mothers, but we're going to talk more about pay equity um, in the legislation that we're working on statewide. So thank you all for joining us today um, for our virtual coffee con, and I hope you have a great rest of your week. I want to say, hey, Miss Betty Petty, I see you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all for joining us. Bye. The Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable has several key policy areas where we work hard to make an impact. They include affordable and quality health care, 
education and training, legal reform, equal pay, child care, and civic engagement. To learn more, visit us online at msblackwomensroundtable.org. Thank you so much for that, Cassandra. Um, it's, it's one of the huge reasons why we wanted to talk about Black maternal health today is there's a huge intersection between what's happening um, right now with the COVID crisis and also the issues that Black mothers has faced within the healthcare systems um, or within, the, the, within working here in the state of Mississippi. Like, what are your rights? What are you entitled to? And that directly impacts a mother's ability to stay healthy and carry a baby full term. Um, so all of those things we like to highlight here on the round table so that we can create an informed network of black women who are pushing towards these advocacy goals that we have around legislation that's going to better support women in the workforce and also women in the healthcare um, system. So um, before we get started with the amazing conversation I'm going to be having with Ligora in just a second, we do have an uh, announcement from one of our partners, One Voice. We have been partnering with One Voice to do some work on the census. Um, we have been doing everything from phone banking to uh, digital advocacy online. As you all know, the census is very, very important for our communities. Um, so I'm going to introduce Monica McInnes from One Voice, who is going to talk a little bit more about where we are right now with the census in Mississippi um, and some of the things we can do to help spread the word about making sure that all of, our, all of our, the folks in our communities are completing the census. So Monica? Thank you so much, ma'am. I appreciate you and I appreciate you all having um, me on today. I am Monica McKinnis uh, uh, with One Voice in Mississippi, program manager, and have been a partner with, as you already stated, with uh, Black Women's Roundtable for a while. I've been doing work with Cassandra for, I was just thinking of, a while ago, it's been almost probably about 15 years or more. Uh, so we uh, all have shared some of the same shared goals. Uh, but today I want to talk a little bit about the 2020 census, which is uh, going on right now in our community. And it's dependent on you and your family to be a part of this very important event. Uh, Mississippi needs a complete count and the states are enormously high. If people don't get counted, the census questionnaire, we lose federal dollars we deserve and we need. That means that money to improve our schools, less money for uh, funds to, like programs, healthcare, uh, head start program slots you know, Medicaid, schools, highways, uh, programs for the elder. If everyone does not count it, it really hurts uh, the state. And with the growth that we had in some of our communities uh, since 2010, because this happens every 10 years, every decade, and it and spreads for the next 10 years, uh, Mississippi can't afford to lose any, any dollars. Everyone in, in living in Mississippi, breathing and living, whether you are a citizen or non-citizen, needs to be counted. Even if you had a baby yesterday, that baby needs to be counted. Uh, completing the census is easy. It is three ways. The first, this is the first time you can complete it online, uh, which is which was a good thing for us in Mississippi, and also it, we, it had our challenges because you know that Mississippi is mostly rural area, and uh, a lot of people don't have internet access. And and we really with the COVID nineteen, we really are seeing uh, the effects of uh, not having internet access. But there are three ways that you can complete the census. You go online. You can do it by phone, or you can do it by mail. The information that you uh, put in is completely confidential. It's about, it takes about 10 minutes to answer only nine questions that will affect uh, the state for the next 10 years. And your participation is vital. We need this uh, 
account to uh, to make our shape our state of Mississippi. Right now, we're at 57.6% of the households have already responded to the 2020 census. We are 3.8% away from the meeting our 2010 uh, self-response rate of 61.3. We're not last in the nation, but we are ranked 40. We felt uh, uh, we dropped the uh, ranking uh, as from last week from 39 to 40 in the nation. And, uh, but that, you know, we got to get that up. We have about uh, five uh, counties that is under 30% in a 30 percentile that we've been uh, targeting. Uh, we have 20 that is um, haven't even met the halfway mark yet that we haven't targeting what you all's help. And, you know, uh, today is our last day for the phone banking that we have been doing for the whole month of July. And we'll probably come back and do it sometime in the later um, end of the summer. Uh, moving into the fall before the October 31st deadline. But also, not only that, uh, we also partnered with the Black Women Roundtable starting next week, uh, trying to keep the momentum going and keep something going. We'll be doing uh, non-door canvassing uh, starting next uh, weekend. And then, and uh, now we'll probably talk a little bit more about it a little later on, if so. But we need volunteers to come and help us with that. Uh, Black Women Roundtable uh, uh, knows how to do, what to do. Uh, contact them or you contact One Voice. We are in this hand in hand, and we've been shoulder to shoulder for uh, almost two years on the battlefield trying to get uh, the census. Uh, and people get everybody informed and educated and uh, motivated to, and engaged to complete the census. And I, once again, I want to thank you all for having me. Uh, let me do the little spell, and uh, hopefully that we can get some momentum going around the, the 2020 census. And thanks again, you all. The Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable is educating, organizing, and galvanizing Black women and girls in the Magnolia State from the grass tops to the grass roots. We're educating them on key issues involving the need for economic justice, strategizing statewide, and mobilizing to make a difference socially, economically, and politically for all women whether they are in the boardrooms or living paycheck to paycheck, or just trying to put food on the table. Interested in connecting with us? Visit us online at MississippiBlackWomen'sRoundtable.org. That's MSBlackWomen'sRoundtable.org. Thank you so much for that, Monica. And we are partnering next weekend for a canvassing effort. So if you know someone, this is no contact canvassing. So we're just going to be hanging some reminders on doorknobs and things like that. If you are interested or you know some folks who are interested uh, in helping us canvass in some areas in Jackson that we know have low count right now, um, please reach out to us, um, msbwr.org. Um, and we'll be sure to get you all the information that you need in order to help volunteer for next weekend. So thank you so much for that, Monica and One Voice, for being such a strong partner with us as we try our best to make sure that our communities are counted so that they can have the resources that we know they need. Um, so now for um, amazing conversation with Wingora Thompson, um, just to give you all a little bit of feedback about myself, I'm a sister, which a lot of black women carry that title. And, um, you know, recently my sister just had a nephew and that has been uh, uh, a bit of a black maternal crisis for us in navigating that. He was born with a congenital heart defect. 
Um, and so this conversation is very near and dear to my heart as a sister, as someone who has just been there supporting and advocating and helping to get quality care for my nephew. And I know that there are so many other black women, especially in the state of Mississippi, who have been in that predicament or have been in a similar predicament where they are having to fiercely advocate um, for either their life or the life of their baby. So this conversation is really important to me, just like also on a personal level and making sure that as black women, we have the information we need to be those fierce advocates um, for, for the women in our community. So I am so excited to invite Wingora on today to talk a little bit about what she does um, and why this issue is important to her um, and talk to her you all a little bit about her career trajectory and what she does at the Mississippi Public Health Institute. So, Wingora Thompson. Well, thank you so much. That was a very, very warm welcome. I will note, I finished my census. Uh, I, I completed it probably a few months ago now. So, that was a, that's a check for me. And I've been encouraging folks as time goes on to complete it as well. Uh, but nonetheless, I want to thank you all uh, at the Mississippi uh, Black Women's Roundtable for the invitation uh, to your coffee con event and to really even host this conversation. Uh, it is very important, as you just mentioned, and I hope to give as much thought and, and information as possible today. Um, I am the project manager for the Jackson Safer Childbirth Experience. Uh, Jackson is one of 10 cities across the U.S. who receive funds from Merck for Mothers, and in our case, the Kellogg Foundation, uh, to address maternal mortality, specifically in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, prior to that, I was the Director of Maternal and Child Health and Government Affairs for the March of Dimes here in Mississippi. And so the last five, six years that I've been uh, back home, um, my time has been spent professionally uh, advocating for better birth outcomes in the state and maternal health outcomes as well. Great. So um, I've already talked a little bit about why we felt like this conversation is important and just, you know, uplifting those issues that impact Black women in our communities. Um, but from your perspective, what are, what are some of the most pressing issues facing black expected mothers in Mississippi communities? I would note a few things. Um, generally, Mississippi has yet to fully create a culture of health um, and a policy culture that really supports women's health, specifically black women's health. And so uh, our health isn't prioritized, if you will, uh, in the policy culture and culture of health in the state. Um, and so a few things, a few of the pressing issues, rather, that, that are facing Black expectant uh, folks in Mississippi. So one, unbalanced prenatal care experiences. What do I mean by that? Um, currently, in, especially in the midst of COVID-19, uh, prenatal care, care visits are um, short. They are most time, the, the time you spend with the provider is maybe 10 to 15 minutes max and you're getting labs done and then that's it for your visit uh, with the provider. And that, that's really created by a perfect storm of um, providers seeing a ton of patients a day, 
having to log a lot of information on each one, but also making sure they're answering everybody's questions. So providers being hurried in text, uh, as well as medicine's existing power dynamics, uh, create a perfect storm, as I mentioned, for less than optimal prenatal care experiences. And so folks don't often get the chance to ask questions or don't come with questions. Therefore, they don't get to maximize the prenatal care uh, experience. And if you pair that with um, the issue of having access to healthcare providers, some women are traveling, especially in our rural areas, 30 minutes an hour, maybe even an hour, an hour and a half to see a specialist uh, or their OBGYN. Um, according to the March of Dimes 2018 Nowhere to Go report, uh, which really delved into maternity care deserts, uh, it found that nearly 50% of counties in the state of Mississippi are con considered maternity care deserts, which are counties uh, without a hospital offering obstetric care uh, and without any obstetric providers. And so living in rural areas uh, does place many as Mississippi is mostly a rural state at a disadvantage. Um, misinformation, especially That's during this pandemic, <laughs> um, it is a pressing issue. Um, so unfortunately, COVID-19 has compounded confusion regarding things like the safety of breastfeeding, what room in practices are happening, who can accompany you to visits and your delivery. Um, not knowing what you don't know, right? So if, you're, if you may not be seeking information, you're not knowing like what to expect or what to get ready for or what could happen, right? Um, also, misinformation about like contracting COVID-19 in the hospital. That's not the case, right? So uh, we're hearing folks are very scared to go to a hospital or maybe in some cases go to the doctor's office because of fear that they would contract the virus. Um, and so just really working against misinformation. Um, lack of continuous healthcare coverage is also a pressing issue. Medicaid covers about 65% of the state's deliveries and about 50, close to 50% of women in the state are not covered through their employer. So they don't have insurance coverage through their employer. Um, therefore, let's say I have hypertension and in the near future, I want to have a baby. Um, but I don't have insurance through my provider. Granted, I would get it through uh, Medicaid. I would be eligible for it. However, up until now, my hypertension has gone intact. And so that's going to further complicate my pregnancy outcome. So it's, and then even in the postpartum period, and we'll talk a bit more about this later, but in the postpartum period, it's important to have insurance coverage then because if something happens to me 60 days, post 60 days after I've delivered my baby and I was publicly insured, what happens to me? Yeah. I don't have any insurance coverage. I could go to the ER to get care, but I also need to see a general practitioner or a specialist, and those kinds of things wouldn't be covered. And then lastly, I'll note, um, reiterating what Cassandra shared uh, during her 
a bit earlier, um, there is a lack of workplace protections and programs that ensure women's health uh, is a priority. Black women's health is a priority in the state. Um, I believe I just saw a headline earlier where um, Senator Warren uh, was leading uh, uh, an initiative to find out, you know, during COVID-19, what workplace protections are there for uh, folks in manufacturing and retail. And they're finding that, you know, there's a lot of, again, misinformation about what benefits, benefits rather folks have and what they don't have. And people feeling either threatened or, you know, not empowered uh, to have, they don't have breaks or, you know, the things that they need in order to have a safe working environment. And so the same for black pregnant people in Mississippi. Um, if you're working manufacturing, if you're working in, in retail and, and other frontline jobs, as Cassandra mentioned, we, these women are breadwinners. They're still contributing to society, but need, I need a place to sit down because I can't be on my feet throughout this entire pregnancy. I need the opportunity to have more than a handful of uh, breaks for if it's the bathroom or just an opportunity to, to take some rest uh, while on my shift and other things that I might need to accommodate me in a healthy fashion during my mm -hmm. pregnancy. And that makes me, when you talk about some of the issues um, facing black women in Mississippi with maternal health, it kind of, mm -hmm. it definitely makes me think about my sister's story because she went on bed rest probably at month seven and a half, eight. And, you know, for women who are working in retail jobs who have to go on bed rest, how is that affecting your ability to be able to provide for your family? Absolutely. So there are all of those different nuances that luckily she had an employer who had different standards. Right. Um, but for those employers who don't, who just follow the standards set by the state of Mississippi, um, what happens to those mothers when you have to go on bed rest at seven months and you work a retail job and you're the breadwinner for your family? Right. So all of those sort of issues intersect for black women because they're more likely to be the breadwinners of our families, but also more likely to be in low wage jobs and also child rearing. So how do all of those things impact our ability to be able to, like you said, show up at our doctor's appointments with enough time to talk about the things that are impacting or the things that we're experiencing and all of those different things. So, so much of what you said, when I hear the anecdotal stories from black women who maybe something was missed that could have been caught in a visit during their prenatal care, or maybe they delivered pretty term because I have to work. Right. Um, so all of those different nuances that black women experience, but what would you say is the best way that we can begin to advocate for women, both through policy and just within community, um, who may be navigating the current um, hospital system or healthcare system in the state? I definitely want to take this question a, a bit broader, but okay. I, I'm thankful that we're asking it. Um, mm -hmm. There are things I believe that need to occur, not only in healthcare, but also communities. Uh, to ensure better outcomes. Um, of note, and we'll talk again more about this later, two-thirds of maternal deaths occur outside the hospital, and that's after baby and mama have been discharged and are at home. So we'll talk about some things to, to look out for. Um, but to prepare for the best, here, here are a few things that need to happen. Um, sharing the benefits of birth support workers with Black mothers. Mm -hmm. So... 
having a doula, having, if it's possible, a midwife, or having somebody to walk with you through this experience to ensure that you're asking the questions that you need to ask, um, that you're supported, um, and that you're getting to know your healthcare team. Um, also advocating for, so self-advocacy. Mm. Um, so again, once you've connected with your support group and you're getting the questions you need to ask, so on and so forth, taking that with you into your healthcare visits. Um, and that's even the simplest questions. They don't have to be complex. You know, is my baby growing, you know, to size? You know, what can I do to begin preparing for breastfeeding? Um, you know, what tools are out there? What information's out there? Um, and getting to know your doctors and your nurses and expressing and being so expressing that you might be a little fearful, right? As uh, the conversation about black maternal mortality and morbidity has gained traction over the last few years. Unfortunately, there's also this um, growing fear, rightfully so, of being in hospitals and uh, experiencing adverse things. Um, but get, so getting to know your doctor and your nurses and so on and so forth, those who might be a part of your delivery team. And then ensuring transportation, whether that's from a city perspective, you know, if a city's providing transportation for pregnant folks to work and to their doctor's visits. And I mean, this is a, a side note, but uh, I want to be able to soon look at um, in the city of Jackson, you know, where do folks of reproductive age live? And what does that look like in relation to their doctor's offices? And mm. what does transportation look like? Who has access to that? And, and how can that impact um, the amount of time that's spent for them, you know, getting to and from doctor's offices? Um, advocacy then on a, on a national level uh, would look like getting um, involved with uh, and supporting the Momnibus Act. Um, and so, Congresswoman Alma Adams, uh, Congresswoman uh, Lauren Underwood, Senator K Kamala Harris, and many others, um, including the Black Maternal Health Caucus, uh, are supporting this act. And a few of the things that it involves is making critical investments in the social determinants of health, so transportation, housing, and nutrition, uh, making sure that community-based organizations get the funds that they need to sustain and continue work. Um, and deepen their, deepen their work. Um, investing in women veterans, mm. making investments there, I think often they go overlooked. Um, also grow, growing and diversifying the perinatal health workforce. So making way for more, yes, more black doctors, more um, black doulas, more black midwives. Um, we're encouraged by um, Jenny Joseph and her work in Florida and establishing the, the nation's first uh, black midwifery training program, excited for that. And so wanting to see more of those things uh, across the nation um, so that we diversify the perinatal workforce. Um, improving data collection processes and quality measures to better understand the maternal health crisis in, in the U.S. Um, and form solutions to address it. Positively, Mississippi does have a maternal mortality review committee. And so that's something we can check off and say, we're doing here. We're evaluating maternal deaths to see what can we do to contribute to better outcomes. Um, and then the last few uh, items in this bill in the Monibus Act are improving maternal health care uh, support for incarcer incarcerated women. Very important. 
to traditionally, you know, we don't have shackling policies for delivery here in the state um, that women can get that incarcerated women can travel to there and get prenatal care visits. Um, invest in digital tools like telehealth to improve maternal health uh, outcomes, especially in rural areas. Um, and promoting innovative payment models to incentivize high quality maternity care and co continuity. So we talked about that extension of postpartum care coverage. Um, so beyond those 60 days. These are some of the things that the Momnibus uh, Act uh, includes on a national level. So beyond that, moving, coming down to the state level, there's been work, there's advocacy happening. So you have the Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable that's advocating for workplace protections for pregnant women, women in general. And then you have the American Academy of Pediatrics, the Mississippi chapter. They are, have been using their voices on behalf of women's health in the state. They're in support of uh, extending uh, Medicaid coverage postpartum here in the state and have been working with the State Medical Association to advocate for that as well. Um, the March of Dimes is another organization in the state that is doing advocacy for uh, better maternal health policies. Um, and so I mentioned we have a maternal mortality review committee. We also have a perinatal quality collaborative, uh, which is led by Dr. Charlene Collier of the State Department of Health, who's also an OBGYN and professor at the University of Mississippi a Medical Center. Um, and the, the perinatal quality collaborative, what they do is ensure that hospitals are fully equipped and trained to respond to those emergency situations in regards to maternal uh, and, and specifically delivery. So if mom hemorrhages, if she's, you know, if during delivery and she's hemorrhaging, how teams are getting ready to address that. Um, also implementing things like the neonatal golden hour. So having that time where uh, skin to skin is happening and breastfeeding is being initiated in that first hour post delivery. Um, and we also lastly uh, have baby friendly initiatives uh, in the state that groups like Blue Cross Blue Shield have spearheaded and, and funded that ensure uh, hospitals are um, making early entry to, to breastfeeding easier for families and are providing them with the resources to do so. So those are few things I'll mention about advocacy and things that are happening mm -hmm. um, that we can latch onto and be a part of raising our voices on behalf of. Absolutely. Uh, one of the pieces of legislation around extending Medicaid postpartum uh, that came up last session is something that we, we, we worked diligently on and unfortunately it didn't pass, but legislation like that is a huge part of, of supporting maternal health care in the state. Yes. Um, and especially for black women, because it's like you said, it's not just about, you know, what happens up until you have the baby. Also, after that, we be, begin to talk about postpartum um, yes. and, and supporting bl black women in that as well. Um, mm -hmm. It's also something that we face disproportionately in our communities. Um, and that kind of leads to the question of what are the ways that as black women, as sisters, as aunties, Yes. Uh, in our community, how can we be supportive of, of mothers who, uh, like recommending doulas or recommending midwives or recommending those advocates to them to help to create this community amongst ourselves um, where we're being supportive of Black mothers and, and their needs um, and helping to communicate accurate information to them, like you were saying before. Absolutely. I mean, you pointed out a few of them. 
getting, I consider it like getting back to the basics, right? We getting back to a place where yes, women are working and, you know, pregnant folks are working and, and contributing and all of that, but, but taking the time to get back to rallying around them. And that means cooking meals, ensuring that they're eating and they're being fed, um, joining them in relaxation and ensuring that they're taking time uh, for themselves. If it's, you know, helping clean up around the house, pick up things, offering time, you know, offering time for them to get off their feet and rest and relax. And that's, that includes like childcare, temporary childcare. Hey, I'll take the kids for some time for you to, you know, tonight you'll have a quiet house, right? Um, you mentioned having, notifying them, hey, you should think about getting a, a birth support person, if that's a doula or somebody else who can, again, walk with them through pregnancy, make sure that they're asking the right questions and they're, that they're getting ready for a great delivery experience. Um, I'll also mention, I'll also mention intention and support. And so this is digging a, a little bit deeper. Uh, mental health check-ins and referrals. Um, if it's, you know, if you feel a pregnant person that you know post-delivery um, may be a little more depressed than usual, right, and they, they can't seem to come up out of that, they, they might need to see a provider and, and, and or talk to a mental health professional. Um, also not turning a blind eye to pregnant folks in abusive or, and or unhealthy relationships um, and networks. Um, homicide is, was one of the top uh, leading causes of, or contributors rather, to maternal death in Mississippi um, between 2013 and 2016. And so just ensuring that again, pregnant folks are in safe spaces and that their networks and friends are safe for them. Um, and then also on that list was drug overdoses. So again, we're talk, talking top five. The top is cardiovascular disease and its contributors, and we'll get into that. Um, but suicides and overdoses accounted for 11% of all maternal deaths in the state between 2013 and 2016. So really, you know, going a bit deeper and, and talking about relationships and network and friendships and, and how healthy they can be for you. And I think that's a, a very interesting intersection um, as we talk about some of the things that impact black mothers. Um, domestic violence wasn't one of those things that was top of mind for me. But when you say that, it is a huge part of environment and making sure that you're in a safe environment for both baby and mother. Yes. Um, so Coalition for Domestic Violence, I know does a lot of work on that and also one of our, our good partners. So shout out to them for the work that they do. Yes. And, and can I add that sure, some, some new things to also try? Um, so moving a little bit beyond is seeking a different doctor than your mom or aunt. I think oftentimes we get our referrals for a doctor, which that's a good thing. Referrals are good, but sometimes we need to think about who, what healthcare team is the best fit for me, right? Um, do I feel like I'm, I'm this particular doctor or nurse um, or whoever else is listening to me? You know, are they answering my questions? Um, do I feel safe here? Um, and then also talking about birth doulas, having that extra support and verifying information. We talked a bit about misinformation earlier. So verifying information. Um, pregnancy is a place full of power, a place full of resilience and, and strength, um, but it's also one that's full of vulnerabilities. 
And um, so just like with the pandemic, uh, misinformation is spread, especially using, exploiting rather folks' vulnerabilities. Um, and so when you see, when, when pregnant folks are seeing something or you're seeing something on social media, make sure that you're verifying the source and that you're seeking info from groups who actually research, uh, who work in this field um, and publish information on it. So groups like the Black Women's Health Imperative, uh, they are a source of inf information. The American Academy of Pediatrics and um, the American Congress of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Um, there's the American Women, Women's Health Nurses Association, AWAN. They provide information as well, um, specific to pregnancy. The fourth trimester project and the March of Dimes are also consumer-friendly uh, sources of, of information. So I wanted to mention that because oftentimes, you know, misinformation- That's very important. <laughs> it very is very important. important. Yeah. Yeah. The Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable has several key policy areas where we work hard to make an impact. They include affordable and quality health care, education and training, legal reform, equal pay, child care, and civic engagement. To learn more, visit us online at msblackwomensroundtable.org. Um, so I wanted to also give space for folks who have questions. Yes. Um, and Cassandra, also, if you would like to chime in on any of this, feel free to join in. But if you have any questions for Wingora specifically about any of the things we're talking about around policy or around support for Black maternal mothers, feel free to pop those questions in the chat. Um, and also, uh, if you're on Zoom, you can pop those questions in the chat on Zoom, or if you're on Facebook, you can pop them in the comments. Um, but Cassandra, did you have any other things that you wanted to add or questions for Ringora? I just wanted to say, I think it's important for us um, to, one of the things that the Black Women's Roundtable um, is doing in, in partnership. Um, and well, before I say that, um, I think one of the, we were able to do this advocacy work in coalition, you know, with other people like Wingora, um, um, like Nikitra Burst. Um, and one of the things that Nikitra did, because it's important to ground this in stories, is that she um, um, has a documentary called Laboring of Hope. I believe that's the name of it. Laboring with Hope. Mm -hmm. Laboring with Hope. Mm -hmm. And it's so phenomenal as it really walks you through and, you know, um, what the experiences are of these, you know, women and the impact and that the emotional, the physical impact it has on um, the family members um, and those who are really experiencing it. And I really would like to, um, so I say that having the stories being told is so important because many times when we go to do the advocacy work, um, if there's no realities there, then oftentimes, you know, our lawmakers can really turn a blind, blind eye. Absolutely. And so Nikitra's um, um, documentary was so important. I talk about it all yes. the time and helping to elevate the issue even more. Yes. 
Um, and so we, in partnership, um, are also um, wanting to ground this because we're going to come back in coalition together to push for, you know, the Mississippi um, Fairness uh, Workers Act. We're going to come back and do that and also work in coalition to push for that 12 months postpartum. And so we need, we need your stories. We need to hear from you. So we want to encourage you to um, contact us if you're willing to share your story. Uh, if it's not you, somebody in your family, right? And, and how that's impacted because we need to be able to have your voice in it at, to elevate the issue. So we wanna encourage you to contact us so that we can um, have you share your narrative. So the narrative, narrative, narratives are important to changing everything. Um, and so for us, we don't do this work just in a policy space. We make sure that we're connecting back to the people. Um, that's so important. Um, and you, cause you're a part of that change. So I want to encourage you, if you have a story, know someone who does, please contact us. Even right now, if you're a frontline worker and you're experiencing, you know, some issues, um, and you don't know what your rights are, we know some people who can help you in that. So that's really important. Absolutely. Um, and I think the storytelling part of it gives us the opportunity to really center black women, um, to center black women in their experiences. Um, because so many things that well, when Gora talked about today, when she talked about unbalanced care visits, as a black woman, I've experienced that myself going to a doctor and it's, they have a lot of people and it's very rushed and you don't get to see the doctor for long. And I wasn't expecting, but all of those things that impact quality of care, when you talk about them in a, in a narrative way, black women don't often understand that those experiences are part of a systemic thing that is impacting our outcomes. And as we become more informed and we start to tell our stories and start to find those connection points, then we can identify those systemic ailments and we can better speak to be able to shift those things in a policy way. Um, so that anecdotal data, that narrative data is so is it, equally important as all of the other things that we're doing because like Cassandra said, that is going to be the hearts and minds part of the work. Um, so if you, the uh, email address is the same in the chat. Um, if you're open to sharing your story, if you know a black woman in Mississippi who has who uh, experienced a black maternal health crisis, that is a huge tool for us um, in empowering you to share so that we can begin to move the needle forward uh, for black mothers and babies in Mississippi. Um, so I'm watching the comment section and chat for any questions. Oh, I see some amazing people sharing their contact information. Um, about sharing their story, so we would love to hear that. Um, I guess I would have another question for Wingora as far as um, you named a couple of places that folks can reach out to for um, assistance, mid midwives or doulas. Um, could you give that information about how people could get connected to finding out if they, uh, if that's a resource that they would like to use? Sure. So I, I mentioned the Jackson Safer Childbirth Experience. I'm project manager for that, and people can get in touch with me if they would like a doula. If they're in the city of Jackson, they are a black birthing person and would like a doula, um, we can potentially get them set up with that, will, and get, uh, get them set up with that. Also, um, 
Cassandra mentioned uh, Dr. Nikita Burst. Her and an, another team of folks uh, were recently awarded funds that um, would allow them to launch the Mississippi ACE project. And so they'll be increasing access to, to doula support services as well right. um, in the central Mississippi area. There are networks of doulas across this state. Um, and so if even if you're not in central Mississippi, um, up to North Mississippi, South Mississippi, there are doulas across um, the state that are ready and willing to support you. Um, I know specifically there's midwife Tony Hill in the Tupelo area who has been, even throughout this pandemic, helping uh, deliver babies uh, to and fro. <laughs> and so, you know, should you want a, a midwife who can assist you in your experience, um, you will pay for it, but it's worth it. Um, it is worth it if you can uh, to have her services. And I, I'll make a, a brief note, you know, midwives are primarily for moms who are low risk, uh, have low risk pregnancies. Um, and so if, you know, if you think you might or have been evaluated and fit that bill, a midwife's a great option for you. Um, I'll also mention Sisters in Birth. That's led by Getty Israel. Um, she is also providing many support services uh, to the pregnant folks that she's serving. So they're doing prenatal edu uh, education, but also pre prenatal yoga. Um, and, and they're doing nutrition. They're doing a lot of great things to ensure the best outcomes uh, in pregnancy there as well. So there are a few, you know, reach out, ask somebody, ask the Black Women's uh, Roundtable, and we can get you connected to uh, some folks. Absolutely. Cassandra's going to find somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we do have a question, though. Um, somebody asked me a really good question. What is a doula? What exactly is a doula? How can they support you? <laughs> yes. So um, a doula is a person that um, they're a support person throughout pregnancy. And how they offer support is, one, through information. Um, so, you know, they might follow up with you after prenatal visit to talk about um, what you might have discussed. Uh, they'll provide you with, uh, you know, going through the breastfeeding process, what that looks like and how to get ready for it. Um, they're present at delivery. So they'll prepare you for, let's say you want to have a, a vaginal delivery, or maybe you'll have to have a C-section. They're there to be present um, at those events and provide comfort measures. Uh, positioning to make sure that you have the best outcome possible. And they're also present uh, in the postpartum period to keep an eye out on you, provide a few visits, make sure that you and baby are progressing appropriately, um, and being a source of contact and support. The Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable is committed to ensuring Black women and girls' voices and stories are elevated in the public sphere. We believe in providing vehicles to empower, support, and showcase Black women's intergenerational and diverse leadership, expertise, and unique perspectives. We believe in building and sustaining power for this group to achieve a higher quality of life for Black women, our families, and our communities. I just want to add to this that, you know, it's interesting, you know, doulas and midwives that we're having to um, 
do a lot of education around that now when that was a very center part of our culture as black folks right yeah, yeah. um and so we're reclaiming that yeah. um so this isn't anything new or foreign right it is a part of our culture and midwives were pushed out um, yes. of you know the whole medical you know infrastructure absolutely and there's such a great support and it's a part of who we've been as a people as black women and people still in other parts of the world you know that's that's still very much a staple right um, yeah and so this is us reclaiming that doing the education for you know for some of us who don't know about that reclaiming our history as black people um, and making sure that those infrastructures are put back together. Yes. Um, we don't have babies by ourselves. There's a community that comes around That's and supports it. us. You know, and, and and again, we had to have those things, particularly when you know the hospitals were not receiving black women. That's and true. then you know, and so now we're talking about racial equity, right? Right. <laughs> yes. Let's be real clear about what we're talking about, you know, yes. and, and discrimination and how, um, you know, we would die in childbirth, right? Because we weren't given the same level of care. We couldn't even go to the hospitals. And so we've had midwives for, since we landed on this care continent, right? right? <laughs> and so this isn't new, but no. we're having to reclaim that for our people and for our households and for our community because they help us deliver safely, you know. Yes. Yes. And yes. So I just wanted to to center that and just t and just make sure that um, we we really ground that in the historical context, you know, particularly when you're talking about the sterilizations that happen, eugenics that occurred, you know, all of those things that happened to black women, um, midwives were essential to making sure that we had healthy babies and that we were healthy as well. So I just wanted to. Thank you. Thank you, Cassandra. And to be told, as you were talking, another note that came to mind, because oftentimes this is a point of confusion. Doulas do not deliver babies. They are there to support you, though, in that journey. Midwives do. Midwives deliver babies, but doulas do not. So I just want to make that distinction. Yeah, that was wonderful, Cassandra, because that is that that is true. We've all we we've sort of historically used the community model. Mm -hmm. So how do we yeah. go back to that community model of support? for expecting mothers in our community. And yeah. what does that look like for us as a community? And also what does that look like policy-wise? And and I think that's that that's perfect after the conversation. Um I'm searching for just to make sure we don't have any questions before we close. Okay. We're good. And I just wanted to add one thing. One okay. of the things that the Black Women's Roundtable have um and how we've been supporting Wangora's um, yes. mamas and you know, others out there, um, Lyft has been generous in giving the Black Women's Roundtable um, transportation vouchers. So uh, if there's a mom out there, pregnant mom, that need to go to the doctor, um, please, you know, we want to come alongside you and provide you with those um, transportation vouchers. So you can, again, our contact information is right here. Um, info at msblackwomensroundtable.org and we want to um, provide that needed support
report um, to you. Also, we have um, a limited amount of access to childcare dollars. So again, we learned through this process, you know, when Gore talked about uh, because we're in COVID, you can't bring your other children with you um, to the hospitals. And so we have some childcare dollars um, for you if you know you got to go to the doctor you need someone to watch your child and we have a network of child care centers around the state that we can work with to, to you know so your child can be at a safe place while you go to the doctor and so just wanted to let you know we're you know trying to provide some of those wraparound services to make sure that you're not stressed out you can get to where you're trying to go even if it's the grocery store run you know, um, we can provide some support there too. Absolutely. And, and you can hear from the folks that when Gora, when Gora mentioned and Cassandra mentioned that we try our best, even if we don't, to connect you with some resources for folks who do. So as you know, people who need those resources, of course, I've posted the information in the, in the chat and also on Facebook. Um, feel free to reach out to us. Um, and, and we have a coalition of folks, so if we can't help, then we can point you to some folks who have some, some resources or some information. Um, so thank you so much, Wingora, for being here with us today and giving My us pleasure. amazing information, not only about what you're doing um, to, to address this issue here in Mississippi, but just amazing information for us as Black women to better support the women in our communities. I think Monica had something she wanted to close us, uh, I think, not. Oh, census. I'm back. I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm looking at I'm looking on the computer and on my phone. So. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, just an announcement again. Today is our last day for the phone banking that we partner with Breckman Roundtable with. Uh, and for the month of July, uh, we had a little movement with that. But I also keep in mind that we are looking for volunteers uh, partnering with the Breckman Roundtable as well. But next weekend, when we get ready to do the no contact census uh canvassing or we'll be going into the low response areas here in the city of jackson and just hanging the uh, door knockers on the doors uh trying not to come in contact we are practicing our social distance uh with this pandemic but once again uh reach out to to black women around table if you want to volunteer we're kicking it off next week and once again thank y'all for having us yes absolutely thank you to our partners at one voice for helping us in that effort um please uh, encourage the folks in your community to fill out the census um, and we'll be around Jackson. You might see us with our canvassers, our young canvassers um, out there making sure that folks are getting registered to vote, which is also huge, and completing their census. Um, so thank you all for joining our coffee con. That was like perfect. It is one o'clock. So I will give you all your lunchtime back. Thank you for joining our coffee con. Um, if you haven't already subscribed to our email list, please go to msblackwomensroundtable.org to subscribe so you can know when we have these virtual sessions going on. Um, next month, we have some amazing programming around Black Women's Day, um, where we will be doing some digital outreach, but also another virtual town hall where we'll be talking about pay equity. Um, we talked a little bit about it today and how it intersects with pregnant mothers, but we're going to talk more about pay equity um, in the legislation that we're working on statewide. So thank you all for joining us today um, for our virtual coffee con, and I hope you have a great rest of your week. And I want to say, hey, Miss Betty Petty, I see you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all for joining us. Bye. Bye.
Thank you.